Welcome to the Adventist Church of the Woodlands podcast, where you will find sermons, devotional thoughts, and current event conversations, all based on a biblical worldview. My youngest daughter is sick, not my youngest, my middle child is sick, and that's why my family's not with me today, just an FYI. Many people are sick among us, and I pray that we can continue to lift them up in prayer. We're going to continue our little impromptu series on religious liberty, Romans 13. And I want to finalize this three-part series looking at another aspect of what we've been looking at. To summarize week one, we looked at Romans 13 in light of the Supreme Court rulings, And we learned that we are to be subject to the governing authorities and that all authorities are by God, either his active will or passive will. The government is called the minister and a servant, just as I am. They have the authority to punish evil and they govern mainly over the last six commandments or any law that deals primarily with our relationship with each other and in society at large. We are told this because we are to love our neighbors as ourselves. They are, infa- they are not infallible. So when they get it right, we thank God. And when they get it wrong, we trust God. Either way, we remain our focus, not on the donkey, not on the elephant, but on the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Week two, and we spoke about how God gives us freedom that he planted the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden. He allowed the serpent to be there. He didn't prevent Adam and Eve from taking of the fruit because God values freedom and freedom and freedom is always necessary for love. But yet we looked at the fact that you and I in society, we can enforce some moral laws not based on God's laws, but based on natural law, the fact that that we don't want murder, we don't want stealing, regardless of whether you're Christian, Muslim, Buddhist, atheist, non-religion, all of us want to live in a society, and those laws that we make in society are based on natural law without having to appeal to religion or to God. And so that's why we can vote for laws that are beneficial for society without impinging on the separation of church and state. But there is another danger. And the danger comes when those in power do not respect the aspect or do not understand the aspect of natural law and believe that they must impose their religious law. And those factors will eventually bleed into wanting to impose their desires to infringe on the first four commandments, which is my relationship with God. And there are numerous examples in the Bible of this. You look at 1 Kings 18, we're not going to go there, but it's a story of Ahab and Jezebel. Ahab was the king of Israel. He was to be a worshiper of Jehovah, the true God, And Jezebel was an apostate from a different religion, apostate religion. And yet the king, the head of state of Israel, and this apostate religious power combined together to oppress and lead the people of God away from the true worship of God. 
In Daniel chapter 3, there were three boys who remained loyal to God. And what I love about that story, and I've mentioned it before, is that they were going to remain loyal to God when the government wanted to impose death. They remained loyal to God whether or not God was going to save them. It did not matter whether God was going to save them or not. They were going to remain loyal to God when the government was trying to impede their relationship with God. Similar story in Daniel chapter 6. But what I like about Daniel chapter 6 that's different than Daniel chapter 3 is that Daniel knew the decree was set that if he violated man-made laws, he was going to be put to death. And yet, despite the fact that the decree was set that he was going to be put to death, his relationship with God was so tight that he did not care. His relationship with God was so intimate. They were so weaved together that he knew that earthly government can take this life, but I have a life promised in eternal life. Then there's a story found in Luke chapter 23. Once again, religious and the state. Herod had a Jewish heritage and he knew Jewish laws. He was supposed to be one of them, but he betrayed the people by governing for Rome and Pilate. In Luke 23, we'll get there eventually, but just to tell you, they hated each other. But they came together over the trial of Jesus. That's what united them. Their hatred or their indifference towards Jesus is what united them. And then in Revelation chapter 13, we see that the second beast makes an image to the first beast, and that leads to enforcement of religion over those who want to worship God in spirit and in truth. And the mistake that all of these make, what they all have in common, all these stories I shared, is that they blame the problems of society, they blame the predicaments therein on those of us who want to remain faithful to God. We're minding our business. We're trying to be faithful to God where it doesn't impinge in our relationships with each other. You want to live apart from God? That's up to you. We have natural laws that govern our interaction, but they are not satisfied with that, and they blame those of us who have a personal relationship with God for all the troubles that are taking place. Let's turn the PowerPoint on, Andrew. Some reason it's not connecting here. Okay, there it goes. So the mistake we make and the mistake society makes is that we want to make every moral law that we have in the United States, not murder, not, you know, female genital mutilation, you know, those things that we are against, you know, they, we want to appeal everything to the authority of the Bible and God. But when we live in a free society, we can't do that. And one of the testing ways that you can know is that God in His wisdom has made, and this is speaking to us who do believe in God, 
God in his wisdom has made every law of the six commandments and every law that can be appealed to by natural law, we can make those arguments for those laws without having to appeal to the Bible or God. Why? Because God knows what is best for society. No matter what society tells you, the best place to raise children without appealing to Scripture Society and studies have showed us it is in a nuclear home of mother and father. It doesn't mean I grew up in a single mother home for a while. She tried her best and she loved me. And, and by the grace of God, I'm preaching the gospel. But it's not the ideal. When we come to ideal, God's ways are the best. Yet we can make those arguments without appealing to scripture or without appealing to society look at the lax drug laws we have in society we can make those appeals that we shouldn't loosen those laws in fact we should tighten them based on the fact that when you loosen these laws it becomes detrimental to the individual and to society we don't have to appeal to the Word of God or the authority of God What's going to take place in this country is that those who are governing under the fact that there is natural law do not know how to separate that from God's law. And they intermingle both and therefore they appeal to God. And look at this quote. It says, in order for the United States to form an image of the beast, this is based on Revelation 13, the religious powers must so control the civil government that the authority of the state will also be employed by the church to accomplish her own ends. We have authority as a people to make laws based on natural laws. However, people do not know how to distinguish that. And therefore they think, look, these natural laws work. God says these natural laws work. Let's use more of a good thing, but they carry it too far where now they're using the authority of the civil government to punish, to try to use God's law against us. Look at this next one. The Protestants of the United States will be foremost in stretching their hands across the Gulf to grasp the hand of spiritualism. They will reach over the abyss to clasp hands with the Roman power, and under the influence of this threefold union, this country will follow in the steps of Rome in trampling on the rights of conscience. The mistake we make sometimes is that we're so worried about what's happening in Vatican City that we forget that it is us here in the United States that reaches the hand across. We're here, Protestant, apostate Protestant America, is the one that's looking for the help. We're the one that take the initiative to bring that over here. We see it in Revelation 13 where it says it's the second beast that gives image to the first beast and brings it, in a sense, back to life. So instead of worrying what's happening over there, we need to make sure that what's happening here doesn't catch us by surprise. 
Listen to this very worrisome video. The reason we had so many overreaching regulations in our nation is because the church complied. The church is supposed to direct the government. The government is not supposed to direct the church. That is not how our founding fathers intended it. And I'm tired of this separation of church and state junk that's not in the Constitution. It was in a stinking letter, and it means nothing like what they say it does. Now, for those of you who do not know who that is, who knew who that is? Who that person was? She is a state senator in our government saying these things. What we've been forewarned that's going to take place, she's already espousing. And I don't care what political party you are. That's not what I'm worried about. What I'm worried about is what we have been preaching is taking shape, not just some fringe person out there, but someone in our own government who has the right to vote for these type of things. Now, she said the notion of separation of church and state is not in the Constitution. Well, that phrase, to be honest, is not in the Constitution. But you cannot have the phrase. That doesn't mean the principle is not there. The principle is there. How do we know that? Without appealing to scripture, if you look at history, any time where government and religion mix, there have been oppression of some sort of minority group. And it never necessarily dealt either with race, but with religion. Just look at Europe, the, the height of Europe. The reason people fled Europe to come to the United States was because they were looking for religious liberty where they can worship according to the dictates of their own conscience. And yet we see here this state senator saying that it is not, that the church should be dictating. So my natural question is, what's the natural question? Which church? Right? If the church should be dictating to the government, which church? Right? Yeah, right? So it, it, should it be Baptist? Should it be Catholic? Should it be Pentecostal? Should it be the Adventist church? Right? Yeah, yeah. So, but even them, they have differences, right? So who should be dictating? Right? That's the danger of this. And this is where we have to, instead of worrying about what's happening there, across the ocean, we should be worrying about what's happening here. And the, and the tension for us is this. Here's the tension for us. There is natural laws, and hopefully we know that now. And so we can govern and vote for laws that protect our relationships with each other. They are in accordance to natural law. However, as we just stated, there are people who confuse God's governance of, over, of everything with natural law, and they conflate both, so they want to impose religion of everybody else. However, on the other end, there are people who naturally understand, I don't want your religion, but I do want to live in peace. But because they are pushing natural law 
under the banner of God and thinking that represents God, they go to the other extreme where anything goes. But then you find people in this camp who says, wait a minute, I'm not comfortable with everything goes. I'm not comfortable where there is no rule of law. And we saw it in the riots of during COVID where there was a section in Seattle where they commandeered as not part of the United States. And they had no laws in that section. And how well did that go? In a couple of weeks, they were asking for laws. So you can't go to this extreme. You definitely can't go to this extreme. And you and I have to balance that by staying focused on Christ. But here's the tension. We all love being part of a group. But this group doesn't represent me. And this group doesn't represent me. And so I'm all alone on an island. And this is why part of Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 tells us, do not forsake the assembly of one another as you see that day drawing near. Because we need each other. Because there is that temptation. Because I like the natural laws that coincide with God on this side. But I don't want any of that. And I'm not comfortable on this side where anything goes and they want to and they want to impose those beliefs on my children in public schools and things like that. So we have to balance that. But here's the thing. While they're shouting at each other and warring at each other, there's going to come a time where they take notice that you're not on this side or on this side. And they're going to unite against us. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23. Beginning of verse 6. Luke chapter 23 beginning of verse 6. When Pilate heard, he asked whether the man was Galilean. This is over the trial of Jesus. And he learned that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction. He sent him to Herod, who himself was also in Jerusalem at the time. Now Herod was very glad when he saw Jesus, in verse 8, for he had wanted to see him for a long time because he had been hearing about him and was hoping to see some sign performed by him. And he questioned him at some length, but he answered him nothing. And the chief priests and the scribes were standing there accusing him vehemently. And Herod with his soldiers, after treating him with contempt and mocking him, dressed him up in gorgeous robes and sent them back to Pilate. Verse 12. Now Herod and Pilate became friends with one another that very day, for before they had been enemies with each other. These two groups who can seem as polar opposite as could be, who are in their each other's throats, will eventually unite over the fact that we are not going to acquiesce to this side, and we're not going to acquiesce to this side. We're going to stay grounded and focused on Jesus Christ. Are you ready? Because it's happening today. It's happening now. And the tension, whether you see it or not, is happening in your own life. If you admit it to yourself, there are moments where you find yourself 
thinking you're part of this party because of the natural laws. But you got to fight it because party politics will betray you. Then obviously on this side, you have compassion for other people, but when they take it too far, you realize, I'm not really part of this side either. But we have a desire to belong. We have a desire to, to, to be part of the crowd. And so when your friends in high school ask you to do drugs or drink alcohol, you want to fit in because you don't want to be lonely in high school. But you know you have to stand up for what is right. But then on this side in high school, those who do what is right morally are considered the fuddy-duddies and not the cool people. Or sometimes they speak ill of those other people and they want to impose their view on them by force. So how do you balance this? Well, Jesus handled it the right way. Render to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Render to God what belongs to God. He knew to keep it separate. And that cost him his life. Because as he remained faithful to God, these two, Herod and Pilate, joined forces to crucify him. To try to force him to violate his relationship with his heavenly father. Had he performed signs in front of Herod, Herod would have let him go free. But Herod's accusations or Herod's offer was but an echo of the wilderness temptation. If you would just turn this bread into stone or this stone into bread, I will give you all these kingdoms. So what is the world offering you to join one of these two sides? And if you don't think they're making you an offer, you need to look more closely because everybody is making you an offer. Somehow, some way, is it a scholarship to go to a school you know may not be the right school for you? Or is it a promotion that may make you violate your faith in God and the seventh day Sabbath? Is it a relationship that you think, well, it may not be the right thing, but I can convert him over to this side? He'll change. Our loyalty must be to God and to God alone. The people who will survive this coming conflict have this in common. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 13. Sorry, Revelation chapter 12. Beginning in verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and power in the kingdom of our God and the authority of our, his Christ has come. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down. He who accuses them before our God day and night. Here's the key. And they overcame him by the, because of the blood of the Lamb. And because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life. Even when faced with death. Three things I want to point out. They had their faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. They knew he died for them. They knew he has cleansed them. They knew he has saved them. And they were going to be loyal to the blood of Jesus. Second, 
They had a word. They had the word of God, the testimony of God. They knew the promises in scripture. And the way you don't lean too far this way or lean too far this way is because you have the word of God to balance you and to keep you on the path of Jesus Christ. And lastly, they understood that the blood of Christ and his word is more valuable than life itself. And even when faced with death, they decided they were going to remain loyal to God. And no matter what this side offered them, riches and fame and power, as it will be given to them falsely, or freedom and hedonism or, or liberty, supposed liberty on this side, they knew that the right freedom, the true freedom, is dependent on the word of God. This last quote, transgression has almost reached its limits. We're there, or we're getting close to it. Confusion fills the world, and a great terror is soon to come upon human beings. The end is very near. We who know the truth should be preparing for what is soon to break upon the world as what? An overwhelming surprise. But I like how she says it, to the world. Not to us. Hopefully not to you. Not to me. I know what's coming. And I know also who is coming. And he's coming to take me home. Where no more pain, no more suffering. No more hurt. No more this left or right. But all centered on the cross of Jesus Christ. He's coming. Are you ready? Do you find yourself surrendered to him? He's coming. He's coming. Thank you for listening to the Adventist Church of the Woodlands podcast. You can find us at woodlandsadventist.org and you can visit us anytime. You're more than welcome. God bless you and have a great day.